Hello, my name is Bobby Butcher, a Managing Associate in the Banking Department at Linklaters, and I'm joined today by Benedict James, a partner in the Banking Department. Now, back in the spring, we released a series of podcasts discussing eyeball reform and the transition to risk-free rates in the loan markets. And now with the end of the year rapidly approaching and in light of a series of important recent developments, it felt like a good time to catch up on where things stand, focusing really here on the London market and developments for English law, loans and loan-linked hedging. So Benedict, we're now two and a half months away roughly from the end of the year and the end of LIBOR in the traditional sense for all currencies other than most dollar settings. And what are some of the most important recent developments and how have they been received in the market? Well, I'd say there are three big developments really recently, two in the legacy space and one more broadly. In, in the legacy space, there were a series of announcements from the FCA at the end of September about synthetic LIBOR, both confirming which weights will continue on a synthetic or, in the jargon, unrepresentative basis, and consulting on what restrictions will apply to the use of those rates. So that was one set of announcements on synthetic LIBOR, and connected to that was publication of the Critical Benchmarks Bill, which is all to do with trying to make sure that synthetic LIBOR will actually contractually work, basically. Uh, And the third, which I think is relevant to both uh, the legacy deals and new deals, is the development of what seems to be quite an active market for term dollars, for term SOFA, rather than the compounded rates we've been doing for our currencies like sterling. Hmm. So should we take each of those in turn, maybe? So you mentioned the FCA announcement at the end of September, you know, their decision to require the production of synthetic LIBOR for certain sterling and yen tenors, and then proposals around restricting slash permitting the use of those rates. Do you want to expand on that a bit? Yeah, so as a starting point, the FCA announced that from the beginning of next year, 2022, IBA must continue to publish 1, 3 and 6 month sterling. So they're mandating that. Um, And that's for both sterling and yen, but only for those three periods, 1, 3 and 6 month. Um, But that's on the basis of a change methodology from beforehand, that there's no pretense anymore of any connection really with interbank deposits or interbank lending of any sort. Um, the, the methodology will be based on inputs from the derivatives market, basically on swapping a term rate for, for a compounded rate, basically. And so as to achieve the economic difference historically between LIBOR and such rates, the credit adjustment spread will be applied. And that is the one, the five-year historic mean average that was set really quite a long time ago now and is fixed on the Bloomberg screen for the different rates. Um, and so that's that's the publication of uh, sterling and yen libel for those three periods. What what about the regulatory approval of using it? Well, this this is all a bit counterintuitive because as soon as the six settings were designated a critical benchmark under the UK's version of the European Benchmarks Regulation, then the use of those settings in certain legacy contracts, basically all regulated contracts although compelled to be published, as I say a bit counterintuitively, are automatically prohibited from being used. Um, Unless, of course, the FCA grants the discretion to use it. So it's all about a positive statement from the FCA that these things can be used. Now, one thing, this podcast is mainly aimed at the loan market, and a really important thing to remember in this context is that loans are, for these purposes, basically not regulated, at least not the sort of loans I imagine the audience of this podcast are interested in. I mean, so big commercial lending as opposed to consumer lending or mortgages or things. Um, And so as they're not regulated in the first place, 
the automatic prohibition on use was uh, not, a, not applied to these sorts of loans in the first place. There was no need for the FCA to come out and positively say that these synthetic LIBOR rates could be used with commercial lending because there was nothing to stop them being used in the first place. Um, and I, I think maybe some people still think it would be useful if the FCA said something positive, but they haven't. But I don't think there's any question at all that, 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 that that's was just unnecessary. So these rates, one, three, and six months sterling from a reg point of view, clearly can be used in the loan market. Um, and whilst I know um, this podcast is not is mainly aimed at the loan market, obviously we're all interested in uh, hedges of loans. And so it, it, w- what is obviously highly important is that the derivatives are regulated as investments. And so the automatic prohibition on the use of these uh, settings does apply. So the good news is the FCA has indeed put out proposals that it will allow them to be used in the derivatives market. And actually, what's rather good news, I think we were a bit worried, lots of people were a bit worried that there might be some quite tight restrictions on its use. In fact, the FCA proposals, and they're just proposals, but I don't think anyone really thinks there's going to be huge change, um, is that all derivatives, well, all unclear derivatives anyway, can use these synthetic rates. And that's obviously good news and keeps in terms of keeping loans that will be on those rates, as I've just said, and the related hedging on the same basis. I mean, just as an aside, why aren't clear trades used, clear derivative trades included? Well, that's because the rules of the clearinghouse will just do that themselves, and so the FCA didn't want to um, stick its oar into the, what the clearinghouses were doing. So I think that's the answer to you about the sort of the reg side of things in relation to synthetic LIBOR. Uh, obviously, that raises the question as to whether you're allowed to do it or not. Will synthetic LIBOR actually contractually work? In other words will synthetic LIBOR, which is obviously a very different thing from the LIBOR that people had in mind when they drafted their their loan and other contracts, um, will it work? Will will when it says LIBOR, will that now catch this new thing, synthetic LIBOR? So could you discuss that for a moment, particularly in the context of the the CBB, the Critical Benchmarks Bill? What's going to be the impact of all that? Yeah, sure, certainly. So in essence, the Critical Benchmarks Bill, so the CBB, you know, does indeed remove that prospect of uncertainty as to whether or not an in-scope contract can utilise synthetic LIBOR. Um, you know, obviously that is a bit dependent on the, well, very much dependent on the words of the contract, but I'll come on to talk about how things like the LMA agreement will interact with the CBB in a minute. Just in terms of the scope of, you know, what the CBB will affect, well, it's got a very broad scope. So it will apply to all contracts governed by a law of one of the constituent parts of the UK. So obviously, including English law contracts and, you know, for these purposes, English law loans. Um, And that sort of doesn't matter whether those English law loans were executed by parties wholly outside the UK, for example. Um, So so long as the contract is governed by English law. I think it's worth mentioning that what it wouldn't capture, of course, would be a loan contract that's governed by, for example, French law even if all the parties to that contract were incorporated or or resident in the UK. So it captures English law loans. It also captures English law derivatives too, um, which is is then helpful in terms of the construction of both the LMA agreement and also obviously the English law ISDAs. Um, It's not a straightforward piece of legislation, although the sort of net effect of it, I think, is to sort of do the job that it's intended to do. And of course, it's still sort of making its way um, through the parliamentary process. Um, so we wait to see what the sort of final version will look like. Um, but, uh, you know, as I say, it's not sort of straightforward. And there are some complexities that, you know, people will want to get into. 
But the good news is that, you know, if you have an LMA standard agreement, um, probably most other sort of forms of kind of common loan agreements, then if you have a, an interest period that, that matches to a synthetic LIBOR rate, uh, then you should be able to read in that synthetic LIBOR rate rather than end up in the fullbacks waterfall. And of course, you know, that's what people uh, want. And, uh, you know, that's what the uh, legislation is there to help achieve. It's a little bit more complicated in the loans world where you have, for example, rate switch deals, um, although broadly, you know, we think that those terms will operate uh, as intended. Um, and as to derivatives, um, so if you've got loan linked hedging that's sort of documented under standard English law is there, then we think that the references to the standard, you know, GBP LIBOR rates, for example, under that is that will contractually shift to synthetic LIBOR too for the relevant tenors. Great, as you call it, a not a straight for piece of legislation. I have to agree, the first time I read it, I had no idea what it was trying to do until I read the explanatory notes, which isn't really a terrific legislative way of going about things. But I think we've all got ourselves comfortable that it does, as you say, do what it's meant to do. So I guess that takes us to a position, at least for 2022, because the FCA have said on a number of occasions that they won't promise to keep synthetic libel for longer than a, than a year. I think that's mainly just to encourage us all to keep trying to transition. But, you know, who knows, but at least for, for next year, we've got pretty good degree of comfort that both from a regulatory and a contractual perspective, the market will be able to use synthetic LIBOR and the contracts they tend to use will, will, will get you there in both legacy loan and legacy derivative deals for, for sterling and, and yen at least, but only for those periods, of course, that are published, one, three and six month. So that, that does leave the question, of what happens if you've got a loan, say, with the ability to draw down in different periods, two weeks, seven months or whatever, and the uh, the borrower asks for that. So what will happen then? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good question, but so, you know, as you say, there won't be a synthetic rate for um, those sort of non-standard, should we say, interest periods. So interest periods other than one, three, six months for yen or for sterling. So, you know, what will happen? Well, if you've got a recent, you know, LMA agreement, you know, certainly something from the last sort of five or so years, then the chances are you'll have a functioning interpolation fallback where the period is between you know one or six months. So if you've got a two-month interest period, um, you should be able to interpolate between the one and three-month synthetic rates for that two-month interest period. Um, but for some other sort of non-standard interest periods, you, you may end up having to go further down the waterfall to find uh, an applicable fallback. And in some cases, you may just end up at cost of funds. So um, you know this is principally an issue for loans because you're less likely to have those you know somewhat unusual periods in your swap um, but where you do you know having looked at your you know the borrower's options under the under the loan agreement have an issue with uh, non-standard interest periods you'll need to think about whether you're you know comfortable funding on a cost of funds basis if the borrower asks to draw on, on that basis and if you're not you might want to approach the borrower and talk about just switching off those rates um, or, 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 or otherwise sort of curtailing the way in which they borrow for those periods. Yes, I imagine that must be right. I'm not sure borrowers really want um, lenders to start inventing their cost of funds just for the additional ability to have a three-and-a-half-month interest period. Mm. So that's probably enough on the sort of regulatory developments around the legacy book. Um, and Benedict, the third thing you mentioned, you know, which we're seeing quite a lot of interest in at the moment, is the developing market for term software. Um, so what's the latest here? Well, yeah, that is interesting. So in, in the uh, American market for dollars, 
it, it seems fairly clearly that actually the predominant rate will not be the sort of compounded rate we've all been trying to come to terms with, uh, including the rather weird algebra of for things like sterling, and instead there'll be a term rate that actually op operates really very similarly to um, LIBOR. It's, it's a period you know at the beginning of the period and you can put your interest aside and just pay it at the end. Um, what about the use of, of that rate term SOFA in the London market? Well, we were for a bit worried that the UK regulators would not be very keen on that, um, not for a particularly logical reason, but because you'd end up in the slightly odd position that for dollars and for euros, there's a term rate that everyone's totally comfortable with as a proper appropriate rate, but for sterling, for some reason, is the problem child that you couldn't possibly have a, 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 a term rate for. And I think you know we were a bit worried, and there certainly were some signs that the regulators were keen not to get into that position in case it undermined their slightly fundamentalist position that nothing is any good in the world unless it's daily and compounded. Well, the good news is actually the regulators have fairly clearly given up on that approach, if that ever really was something they were thinking seriously about, and have broadly said that for each currency, one should simply look at the use cases that have been approved by the working group or equivalent body in the home jurisdiction of each currency. So in the case of dollars, the, the ARC, and they, as I think I mentioned a second ago, they have come up with a very broad set of use cases for dollars. I mean, really, it's pretty much uh, ev everything that I imagine the people listening to this podcast would be interested in. So um, that's that's very good news. I, th I think a number of our clients on the bank side have, have said that their clients really want to turn product wherever possible, certainly for dollars. It would be quite curious if you could get um, term dollars in the States, term dollars in Europe, but, uh, in, in Europe, but you couldn't get term dollars in London. And I think the good news is that's not going to be the case. The LMA is apparently working on producing a term safer draft. Technically, it's only in its emerging market stocks at the moment. And I think that was probably because when they were doing it, they were a bit worried about sensitivity as to the, the, the point about the slightly fundamentalist approach of the uh, UK regulators towards SOFA when they started doing it. But I've no doubt that it'll have broader interest uh, across the London market. So I think we're going to see a lot of increased demand for term SOFA for new deals and potentially also it'll be an important component for leg legacy transition. It will actually make transition much easier. It's much easier to transition from a, a term rate like LIBOR to another term rate like term SOFA than it is to, to move, as we've been doing for sterling for most of this year from a, a, a term rate to a compounded rate. Thanks, Benedict. Very interesting stuff. Um, so I think that's all we've got time for today. Um, but obviously, there's lots still going on in the market. And you know we expect, obviously, more regulatory developments before the end of the year. Uh, and there's other things happening for other currencies, including in relation to euro and fallbacks for Euribor. Um, so of course, we will release you know subsequent podcasts um, before the end of the year, either from us or involving our continental colleagues. So thank you very much for listening today. And if you have any further questions, of course, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Benedict or myself or your usual Linklaters contact.